Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Stephanie Everett, and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded live from the Clio Cloud Conference. Joining me today, I have Nika Kabiri. Welcome to the show, Nika. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited to talk to you today. We're here at the Clio Cloud Conference. The theme this year is Make Your Mark. Mm -hmm. And a little birdie told me that you made a career change recently because you really wanted to make sure you could make a mark in the world and make a difference yep. and would just love to hear what would that what does that look like for you yeah so i have been doing consulting and research for quite a while on um, consumers in and out of the legal space but recently cleo's you know I've been working with Clio for so long and we've had conversations about how decision science which is what I do could help Clio help its customers, its clients, and also make its own better internal decisions. And so I made the transition to join Clio as of July 25th was my first day. Um, and it's, I, I mean, I want to say it's a groundbreaking like life, but I've been working with Clio for so long. It's like joining family, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's awesome. Congratulations. Thank and you. Welcome to the team. And so what does that look like in real life? Like you have this background in decision science, which sounds fascinating and probably is, is fascinating. Fun. I love it. Maybe you should define that for our audience if they're not sure. Yeah. So decision science is essentially the study of decision making. There are two aspects to that. One is decision analysis or how you should make decisions. What's the best way to make decisions? And the other part, which is a lot more fun, is how we actually make decisions, which is never perfect. <laughs> it's always, there's always something going on. So that's really a study of how behavioral economics research can really inform our, our understanding of how we make decisions and also I like to incorporate sociology into that, how the influence of other people kind of sways us one way or the other so that we make poor choices. So there's that's the two parts to it. And at Clio, it's really trying to eliminate for us like those biases and bad the bad things that kind of cause us to make poor choices. And also hopefully as I develop my my role at Clio to help its clients do the same. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like for a legal tech? company, what does your work look like day to day? What uh, are you doing? Well, so day to day, I run, first of all, I manage a team of researchers and they do a lot of research on consumer behavior and not just on lawyer behavior, but what, what do clients that want to hire lawyers, how do they think about hiring? What are they looking at? And you'll see a lot of the findings in the legal trends report. What, you know, is it reviews? Is it responsiveness? Does it matter that you have a commercial space in your, you know, an office space or not? So a lot of that research my team does. And we also do research on um, like how, you know, people who use Cleon's, uh, Clio make decisions so that we can um, help them, you know, do their jobs better. Um, but also, you know, I've worked with businesses, I've you know, worked with Google, I've worked with Amazon, I've worked with startups that haven't been born yet, and there isn't a single one that doesn't have a decision-making process that includes some bias or, you know, they, 
you just, it's human. Yeah. So my role at Clio is also to kind of make sure, it's to make sure that there's a process to eliminate all those pitfalls every day from product design and development to, you know, to everything else. And so obviously we talk about bias in the consumer and choice making process. What kind of biases show up? Yeah. So one thing that people do when they choose to buy something a lot of times is they'll look at substitution questions. So the really unbiased, objective way to choose to buy a product is what do I need? And does this product fit what I need? Is this going to do what I need? But oftentimes what we do is we look at what everybody else is using. Yes. And a lot of people are using Clio, right? Um, And that's great. That's not the only reason you want to purchase Clio. You really actually want to look at the product. Um, and it's true of competitors too. Like some people will choose a competitor over Clio because everyone in their network is using some other brand when it might be just Clio that is the best product. So um, that's that's one thing that we might do. We might also, you know, do what's easiest. I think this is what I'm finding is kind of a challenge for, sh- for shifting from doing like practice management without a practice management software solution and then switching to a Clio, which is just habit. I mean, we just, we do what's easy. We we like to take the path of least resistance. And so if we're always, you know, using Excel spreadsheets, then this idea of, oh my gosh, I have to use, I have to learn this new thing and it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to take time and energy. They're not going to want to do that. And that's not quite rational because making that shift could be useful. I feel like you've just touched something and I'm on this soapbox a lot with Uh lawyers because they often will come into the community and say, who likes Clio or what practice management software do you like? And I'm like, that is such a terrible question. Who cares what somebody likes? It's like, what do you need for your business? What problem are you trying to solve? And then how can you go about solving it? So I love that you hit on this. We do this with politicians we vote for. Like I, you know, like I want to vote for the guy that I would love to have a beer with. And then I think back of all the guys I've had beers with and I, (laughs) I would never vote them in for like PTA, like never for anything. So it's easier. But I think if you look at like, if you look under the hood and see like at Clio, like if you see the things that Clio does to make sure its products are the best and it's, it can't be perfect. We can't do everything. No company can. But the integrity that, that drives that, um, that's where the decision-making should be made. Like, how are the companies actually making their choices? And it seems like what you just said, that process, it would impact so many different parts of our businesses as mm-hmm. business owners. Like, what you just said about the politician, that comes... I. I have a whole blog post about stop trying to hire the guy you want to have a beer with because we do that in our hiring decisions. It's like, who cares who you like? Are you hiring the right person for your team? Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I think about this a lot also in dating. Like we use a lot of our gut decision, (laughs) like our gut when we make decisions. Like how does this person feel to me? And and really, like when I think about the right way to date, it's who's who's the person who who's good at decision making. Like if you vote for the guy who's good at decision making, if you date the person who makes good decisions in their lives, if you have friends who make good decisions, then you the chances of you going wrong could be so much less. And I think it's the same with the product you buy. If you if you buy a product from a company that is making good decisions and is committed to doing that, then they're probably going to land at the right place. Um, and I've I've worked with a lot of companies who don't even care about good decision making and it's really you can see the difference you can totally see the difference so here's the big challenge because I think for years we've been told trust our gut 
And based on the work that you've been doing that I've been reading, I think you would say that that is not the best advice. No. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. If you use your rational brain all the time, you could make decisions for about 10 minutes and then you'd be exhausted. So there's a time and place for using your gut. And so what I, I have a a guide, I have a website of my own called yournextdecision.com and there's a guide on there on how to avoid decision fatigue. And really it's about, you know, how much time do you have to make the decision? If you don't have time, then don't take the time. Use your gut, that's fine. And almost roll the dice. If the stakes are low, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. If it's what earrings should I wear this morning? Like I sweated it this morning till I was like, who cares? It's not an, a life or death decision. I'm going to save my energy for the podcast interview, right? So things like that. Um, and there's more in the guide about that. But use your gut if, you, if it's not that big of a deal. But I definitely don't think your gut is there for the big decisions because our guts are swayed by our memories of what we, what we re, like data we remember that we use to forecast what could happen. Like, oh, well, every other time I try to use a practice management solution, it, it didn't work. So it's never going to work. Mm-hmm. That's our gut, but that's not rational because it could change. It could be different next time. So that's, I would be wary. Yeah. Yeah. So are there some tips that we should follow when we're making decisions that, that, are, that do matter? Not earrings, but... Yeah. The big ones. The big ones. So the first thing is know what your end game is. I think a lot of us don't think about where we want to go. We're very short-sighted. The brain is wired to be short-sighted because it's hyper-efficient. It's, it's, it takes a lot of energy to think rationally, so it's, it's wired to save that energy. And in doing that, it thinks about what's in front of you. We think about the options that are right in front of us, you know, like, should I date this guy or that guy? But when you think about your end game and where you want to head and you work backwards from that, you can realize that you don't want to date either of those guys. (laughs) You want to do something else. And in business too, like even in law practices, lawyers should think about where do you want your practice to be in 10 years? Where do you want it to be in five years? Where do you want it to be tomorrow? Make the choices, create the choices that get you there and put that end game front and center. And I, it sounds so simple, but I have worked with so many companies that know their end game and then ignore it, forget about it because they're my, they're myopic thinking, which is very natural, forces them not to do that. The second thing is to d- not assume you have all the information that you need to make a choice. You will always fall short because you're, again, brain is efficient. And also be aware of like the social influences around you, like be surround yourself with a diverse group of people so that you get a diverse set of information and also take what they say, not as advice, but as data mm-hmm. and then make your own choices. There's so much gold in that. I feel like I need, <laughs> I should just go back and underline and highlight everything you just said about 10 times to remember yeah. it. It's a, it's a lot. And there's, and that's just the tip of the iceberg too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think too, I came to this conclusion a couple, I don't know, a couple of years ago, but you tell me if it's right. I, I think a lot of times like as business owners and I'm a business owner, we, we sit up at night and, and stay awake because we're not confident in our decisions. Mm-hmm. It's that uncertainty that sort of festers and drives mm-hmm. things. So I wonder if you could just speak a little bit about how we could be more confident that we've made the right decision so that we can just sleep good at night. Oh, gosh, you know, that is a really great question. I find that a lot of what drives that is this, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a bias maybe, 
in, in that we think we can know everything. Like on the one hand, we don't do enough research when we make our decisions. We always, we, we tend to stop short. So to prevent that kind of like uncertainty, just instead of asking yourself, here's a nice hack actually, instead of asking yourself what you know, in order to make the choice, ask yourself, what does anyone, one person out there in the world who is making this choice need to know in order to make this choice? And then of that whole set of in, bit of you know, information that they need to know, how much do I know? And then go fill in the rest of that that you don't have. So do your work and that will help it. But at the end of the, of the day too, there's some stuff that you just will never know. Like some things are unknowable. The future is unpredictable. So you have to cut yourself some slack and recognize here's the universe of things that I know. Here's the universe of things that I can't know. And um, I think a lot of times we sweat because over things that we, we, we can never have, information we never have access to. Yeah. Out of our control. What should people ask you? What should I be asking you right now? What question have we not covered that you're hoping to tackle? That's a great question. I wish I could think about that a minute. It's interesting because I've had clients, individu like individuals even, I have, I have clients on the side that come to me and ask me for advice on divorce or should I change my career? Um, and I don't, I think what's really interesting is how much people feel like there's something that there's, there's their bad decision making is due to something wrong with them. I am indecisive. I can't commit whatever, I don't have any confidence. The truth of the matter is, is that bad decision making is very human because our brains are so wired for efficiency that it is inevitable that for those big decisions, we're gonna mess up. Um, we, are, we were not evolved to deal with this, this world. We, were, we evolved to deal with a very simple kind of environment where we don't live very long. We live in a very complex society and it's just developed that way over a very short period of time in our history and our brains haven't caught up. So when we make bad decisions, we need to understand that's just what we're going to do. And the key is not to fix what's wrong, but to override what's natural, which is really a kind of a different mindset. Like to tell yourself, my brain is naturally going to assume that I know everything that I need to know to make this decision. I need to override that. And, and go seek more information. Or my gut is telling me that I need to make a choice to feel better. I can't make a choice to feel better. I need to make a choice to be better. I have to override that. So it's kind of a lot of self-talk and overriding. Amazing. Cleo has just found a gem. I feel, like I feel like I'm the one who found the gem. I feel like I'm the one who's lucky. So, yeah. No, for sure. The wealth of knowledge and information in that brain of yours is... Aww. So amazing. I'm so glad we got Thank to you. hang out. And I just feel like I need to go digest all this and listen to it 12 more times because there was a lot in there. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of the road for this episode, but I want to thank you, Nika, so much for joining us today. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, 
consult a lawyer.